Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Good morning. My name is Wilf Jansen, and I'm on the mission team here at this church. And uh, it is my great pleasure to be able to introduce our guest speaker. Derek Parento is a pastor and I guess a missionary in the uh, First Nations communities around Perry Sound, and he is going to be giving us this morning's uh, message. It just occurred to me, you know, when we call a pastor, uh, we, I know God calls, but there is, you know, we're involved in this stuff. Derek was a little different. He just sort of showed up in Perry Sound. (laughs) God called him there and told the people that he was the pastor. And anyway, uh, I guess we'll go from there. Backwards. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, it's amazing to, to be here today. The year just flew by. This is, I think, my third time speaking here in the spring. Uh, and it's just uh, been incredible every time to be able to come and just keep building up that relationship and get to know more and more of you every time. I have quite a few supporting churches, but I have to be honest with you, you guys are my favorite. But don't tell any of the other ones. But I'm not just saying that either. I really mean it because you know what? This church prays and really prays. You know, as a, as a missionary, you send prayer requests out and they often go and you're like, I wonder... Whatever happened to that? But this church, I consistently hear people calling, people calling, emailing, people are responding. And even today, as I was walking in the lobby in between the two services, at least a dozen people I've never met before came up to me and were asking me about specific people they've been specifically praying for uh, because of the prayer notices that go out. And I tell you, that's, that's a rare thing. And I often go into situations uh, where I'm feeling uncomfortable and overwhelmed and I start to feel a little bit of that fear rise up. And many times I felt the Lord say, don't worry, the people at Meadowbrook are praying. And it's true. Uh, I don't have time to share the story right now, but uh, a little later after, uh, after the service at lunch, we're going to have some time for anyone who wants to join in to hear some stories, some testimonies. But just this week, I was able to text in a prayer request for a really big moment, uh, something that seemed way over my head. And then the day uh, a lady was healed and gave her life to Jesus in direct response to people praying from Meadowbrook. So thank you all so much. I just appreciate you and have a lot of love for this community. Uh, today, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of an update. I'm not going to do too many stories. Um, you know, as, as a missionary, there's always like, you think, how many stories are you supposed to share? And I don't want to talk about myself the whole time. So this time, it's really nice that we're doing a time afterwards. It's all going to be about stories and narratives and interaction and questions and kind of get into a lot more of that. But for now, I'm going to do a bit of an update and share a message that I, I believe God's put on my heart for today. Uh, many of you will have heard me speak before, but for those who haven't, uh, it's great to meet you. Uh, my wife, Tiffany, and I, uh, and our three kids live in the Perry Sound area on the Georgian Bay coast. Uh, we moved there almost seven years ago now. It'll be seven years this summer. Uh, I'm credentialed with the Mennonite Brethren, so I'm a pastor with the Mennonite Brethren, the same denomination as this church. And I'm working under the C2C Network, which is a church planting uh, network that has a national ministry uh, that is now actually lined up with MB Mission. So it's, it's really part of an international ministry now. 
My wife and I first were given a burden for uh, serving in First Nations communities when we were doing urban ministry in Toronto uh, for quite a few years. And as we met a lot of uh, First Nations people on the streets and in other circumstances, God just really broke our heart and told us to go. But he told us to go without much of a, a there wasn't a lot of clarity other than we were supposed to, to go. Uh, and our hearts were heavy. We didn't really feel that equipped or know exactly what to do. But God is so good and so gracious you know, I'm not a, a trained missionary in the sense of I didn't go to Bible school for that. I didn't go to Bible school for anything. I didn't go to Bible school at all. <laughs> uh, so I kind of went, and the Lord's kind of always given us a bit of a hands-on, in-the-trenches type learning. And I think it's probably because I'm stubborn. I'm not as good of a book learner. I really need God to kind of force me into things. And then uh, that's where I tend to grow. And so God did that. We went, and over the last seven years, or almost seven years, we've really seen things grow uh, it's been amazing. We really operate on a few different levels, uh, and some of them are new, and I'm excited to share that with you. You know, on a, on a more individual level, we serve in seven different First Nations, well, six First Nations communities and the local town, so seven different areas uh, where we serve. Uh, most of the communities are Ojibwe, and one is Mohawk. Um, we spend a lot of our time journeying with people. Uh, because of several hundred years of colonization and the outworkings of that, uh, most of our friends carry a lot of pain. And so probably half our time is spent uh, taking people to food banks, driving people to medical appointments, advocating for kids in schools, Children's Aid Society. We do a lot of that kind of stuff, a lot of jail visits and hospital visits, and spend quite a bit of time just in the community, resourcing people, connecting people to employers. We do all that kind of stuff on an individual level. And it's just been amazing over the years to see people uh, that God raises them up, and, you know, and as... Uh, they experience God's love and get some support. That the distance that people can cover in their life uh, with God's grace is amazing. But we're really, I think, we're most passionate about, of course, is sharing the good news of Jesus. And uh, so, beyond the individual level, uh, what we've done is we felt called to plant house churches. The communities where we serve are small, uh, and there's a lot of baggage with institutional church because of the history. So we decided and felt led to start house churches. And so we're st establishing a network of house churches over those six First Nations communities and in the local town. Uh, and it's been exciting to see God build that up over the years. We've had some real victories this year with that. Um, we have, for the first time, we have second generation house churches, which means that there's churches that, house churches the Lord's used my wife and I to start that have gone and started other ones that I've not even had to step foot in. Uh, in fact, I made an intentional point of not going so that uh, it doesn't uh, just get absorbed into me as the outsider doing it. So people are starting to plant churches themselves in the communities, which is incredible. Uh, we're also starting to see some unity. Uh, there's a lot of conflict and division among the different First Nations communities and within families within the communities. And so there's, what's happened is really all these isolated little house churches that don't connect much. And so we've been praying into that and praying for unity. And this year, we're starting to see people travel from house church to house church now to encourage each other. Uh, people sharing testimonies. People, more than one gather, group gathering together for baptisms. And on Easter Sunday, we, for the first time, did a service. We don't normally do services, only on special occasions. But we did a service that had three different communities all there, all participating and helping lead the service. So we're just so grateful to see that unity starting to come together and the witness that comes with that. And then on a kind of a, a bird's eye view level, something that's new is this year, the C2C network uh, and the Mennonite brethren together, have come together and decided that uh, the God was calling them to a specific vision for planting First Nations churches. 
So beyond the regular mandate of planting churches, uh, to have a specialized kind of, I don't know if they're calling it a department, but a specialized stream or wing that's going to focus on uh, First Nations ministry. That's been exciting, and I've been asked to kind of be part of like a steering committee for that. So there's several of us uh, across the country uh, that have kind of got together to say, how do we be more intentional about ministering in First Nations communities? And so we have a vision for that that we're really excited about, and that's just to empower First Nations believers to plant First Nations churches in First Nations soil. It's a really big vision, and we're really excited about it, and it's already bearing fruit. We started kind of in the summer and the fall in Ontario now, in addition to my wife and I, we have two new couples that have joined the Mennonite Brethren that are now credentialed with the Mennonite Brethren and serving in First Nations communities. And we have a fourth couple that's on the way this June uh, in Ontario alone, let alone what's happening across uh, the country with First Nations ministry. So it's, it's incredible, and we're starting to see a lot of fruit pour out from that. But, you know, even as I share that, I'm just kind of very aware. You know, when you come up front to speak at something like this, you have this, like, choice of what to talk about. Do you tell like the, the victory stories or do you tell the getting your butt kicked stories? Because there's plenty of both. And you know, those stories that, you know, or those kind of updates are those victory moments and they're just incredible. And as we see in our witness, you know, I feel more like a witness than a minister often. The Lord works and I get to kind of see these things and uh, be a little part of it. But those victory stories build up our faith. And there's also the stories of pain. Uh, that I could share, share too, and I won't get too far into that, but I, there's so, uh, you know, it can often feel like one step forward, two steps back. I know it's not that in faith, but faith aside, I just look at things and think, man, what a mess. <laughs> you know, it's not easy. You know, I could easily tell you the stories about the suicide rates increasing and increasing. I could talk to you about how every single believer we have in every single one of our house churches has experienced uh, abuse as a child, uh, severe abuse. That every man that we have in every one of our house churches has been uh, incarcerated at least once. Uh, we could talk about addictions and how uh, morphine and heroin addiction is uh, ravaging the communities now, that it already struggled with alcoholism and the number of overdoses that's just going up by the day. And I could tell you about, I mean, talked about new faith circles or house churches, and, but several of them have closed this year too because of conflicts within the group, mostly because of addiction becomes toxic, uh, people are relapsing, and then relationships fold, and then, then it's not there. And so there's these days where I look and see the victories and say, yes, Lord, it's coming, I can see it, I can see it happening. And there's days where the pain is just so raw, much like what Mesh was saying when he was talking about... Uh, you know, what's been going on in Saskatchewan, you look at things like that. And when that kind of thing happens, for me, I start to see, feel a bit of fear rise up. Fear of all kinds of things. But for me personally, one thing that I really have struggled with most of my life that I'm constantly having to come to the cross with is a fear of failure. That's kind of a personal thing for me. Uh, we all have our fears of one sort or the next. Uh, but for me, that's one. And about a month ago, I could just really feel um, that building uh, in my life as I was looking at things thinking so much good is happening but there's so much other stuff too and I don't know and I was getting this feeling like just wash out just quit before it goes bad just stop now quit while you're ahead kind of a thing and I was fighting that feeling and praying through that and you know I talked to a lot of mentors and they all said the same thing to me they said you know what Derek fear 
is the major barrier to missions. And it's always been that way. When you're called, the fear comes in. How am I going to pay for this? What if I get sick? What about my kids? I don't feel equipped. I'm going to fail. I don't know what to do. But you know what? It doesn't even stop at that first call. You know, you have all these kind of good epic missionary stories where there's the fear, and they overcome it, and they get on the boat, and they go. But guess what? It's waiting for you every day when you get there, too. Every day I wake up and think, Lord, I don't know. I can't do this. I get my wake up in the morning. I, I'm in the habit now of turning my phone off at night because I wasn't getting any sleep. I turn on in the morning. It's like, ding, 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 ding. You're like, oh, boy. Lord Jesus, come. I don't know if I can do this. And I could feel that building up in me, and I was getting just exhausted. And, you know, I've learned in my own life, you know, when I start to see that focus too much on that pain, the fear comes in, and then I start to compensate by working in my own strength. I try to work real hard, really, really, really hard. And I work so hard, I go out beyond what God's asked me to do, and then the exhaustion just hits. And I was feeling like that, and a friend of mine, a new believer, called me, and I just shared a little bit of how I was feeling. And this new believer, with great... Uh, faith, uh, a childlike faith and authority just said to me, Derek, the Holy Spirit wants you to know that when Jesus was in the midst of a storm with his disciples, he laid down, put his head on a pillow and took a nap. And he wants you to learn how to do that. And I was just like, like just hit. And, you know, the tears coming and kind of laughing. And I said to the person who calls it, did the Lord happen to tell you how one is to have a nap in the midst of the storm? <laughs> she said, no. Uh, and so I, 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 bit, I dug into that text, and that's where we're going to go today. It's in Mark chapter 4. If you want to turn there, you don't need to. You're welcome to just listen along. I'm going to kind of story tell this uh, scripture today, uh, but it's in Mark chapter 4. Uh, and I've been meditating on it, praying on it, chewing on it, and trying to live it out. And I want to share some of those lessons today from Mark chapter 4. But as you're turning there, I just want to give you one warning. As I was kind of preparing for today and praying, the Lord kept bringing to me Luke chapter 10 verse 2, which is a scripture that says, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into the field. And I've been praying that prayer leading up to today. And I, I really believe uh, that there's someone here today that God is calling to the mission field. That might be the mission field close by or far away. I don't know that. Um, but I really believe that God is calling someone today. And like every missionary who's gone before you, fear is the wall that's holding you back. So I hope that this message is a blessing to everyone today. Um, but I think there's someone here in particular uh, that the Lord is wanting to talk to. Maybe it's you. So, Mark chapter 4, the text that we're going to focus on is the Jesus calms the storm, which starts at verse 35. But I want to provide a little bit of context. And I'm just going to kind of paraphrase and walk you through what happened the day before and the day after the storm. Uh, the way that Luke, or sorry, Mark chapter 4 and 5 reads, it covers a period of two or three days uh, where Jesus is really trying to drive home a message to his disciples around fear, faith, and mission. That's what we're talking about today. Fear, faith, and mission. And that storm text is kind of the middle of it, but there's a, a kind of a backstory and an afterstory that helps it make more sense. And so before Jesus gets in the boat and we have the infamous storm, uh, he was on the shoreline and he was with his disciples and said, a huge crowd gathered there. Uh, it says, 
He sat in the boat, and the people remained on the shore. So they were all, I want you to kind of picture this in your mind if you can. Picture this kind of hillside leading down uh, to the lake. Many, many, many people, and Jesus in a boat teaching. And Jesus uh, did what people loved him for. He taught. And he taught with authority. And there was great beauty in his teaching. He did several teachings at this, in this one sitting. You know, they included things like the, the parable of the lamp. He said, we're supposed to be like a light. We're not supposed to hide our light under a basket. We're supposed to let it shine. He did the, talked about the mustard seed and said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of seeds, but it can grow to be the largest of garden plants. And everyone is just hanging off his words. They hear his teaching. They love his teaching. Uh, and they want more. Now, in the midst of this, Jesus kind of puts a stop to the teaching. It says in scriptures that Jesus always did his father's work. He did what his father told him to do and spoke what his father told him to speak, and nothing more and nothing less. And so Jesus is hearing the call of his father to go. Someone else is in need. So he's in the boat, and he calls disciples to get in the boat with him and go to the other side of the lake. The crowds are there, and they're disappointed. They want more teaching. And it says they stayed and waited there. Some actually got in boats to try to follow him, uh, and others stayed there. But Jesus tells his disciples, get in the boat. We're going across the lake. As they get going across, the storm builds up. It says it was a fierce storm, so big uh, that the waves were coming over the edge of the boat. That's a big storm. Now, in the midst of this storm, we find Jesus asleep. I've always tried to, like, I'm a visual learner, so I try to picture this. Picture a fishing boat with waves coming over. I picture, like, Jesus sleeping on a soggy pillow. I don't know if you've ever been if you're into camping, but I've been camping before and gotten drenched and slept in a sleep, uh, wet sleeping bag and pillow, and it's not easy. You have to be, like, really deep asleep to be able to sleep on a wet pillow. And uh, here's Jesus, and he, he's asleep. The disciples are fearful, and they say, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? So Jesus wakes up and says, He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. What a great phrase, a great calm. But then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. So Jesus, very casually, he's sleeping in the midst of this. He gets up, tells the wind and the waves to obey. They do. Then he tells his disciples just what we're talking about here. Don't be afraid. Have faith. And their response is, they get more scared. It says they become terrified. They go from being scared of the storm to being scared of this power that Jesus holds. They can't quite make ends of yet. They're not quite sure what to do with this man who has such great authority that even the powers of nature respond to him. They kind of got it, but they kind of don't. If they really understood that power and the nature of Jesus and the love he had, I don't think they would have been so afraid to see it. So they're kind of on a journey, this journey of fear, faith, and missions. And Jesus keeps building this over the coming day. So the storm winds down. Everything is calm. They get to the shore on the other side of the lake. And when they arrive there, I imagine them being pretty excited to get to the other side after the experience they've just been in. No sooner do they get out of the boat that it says they're greeted by a man half-clothed, covered in scars, filled with a legion of demons running down a hill charging at them. 
Now, it doesn't say specifically in this text that they were afraid, but I would dare you to be in that situation and not be afraid at least a little bit. You know, here's this situation. This man comes running down. And Jesus, of course, that's why Jesus went. He knew exactly what was going to happen. This man charges down, and he just, with great beauty and love and grace, ministers to the man. He's set free from all the demons. They all go into the pigs and go charging down to the lake. And I'm going to circle back to that in a second. And he's completely freed. And just like in the boat, where Jesus proved they didn't need to be afraid because he had authority over the storm. Here again, Jesus proves they don't have to be afraid because he has authority over the enemy. Jesus casually, just like in the boat where he just wake, has a nap, wakes up and says, be quiet to the waves. Here, with great love and peace, you don't see Jesus hype himself up for a great big spiritual battle of any sort here. He just loves the man and his life has changed for forever. His authority is so great, he doesn't have to amp anything up. He's able to just speak, and the man is healed and set free. Well, just as soon as that is done, in a very short period of time, Jesus then says, okay guys, let's get back in the boat. So they'd had this experience where they started among this big crowd of people, all listening to Jesus. It's very comfortable, it's great. Then they're called to get in the boat. They go through the storm. They get charged at by a demon-possessed man. And now they're getting called back into the boat. And I said I was going to go back to the part about the pigs. And a friend of mine who's a New Testament scholar taught me this just the other day as I was meditating on this passage with him. And he was saying that the cultural belief at the time, whether it's actually true or just their own belief, I don't know. But their cultural belief at the time is that the watery areas in particular were the realm where the, the enemy, where the demonic had absolute authority. So the land was more for the people and the waters. The, the demons had greater power over the waters. And that was how they would have interpreted the pigs running into the water, is that they wanted to get back to their, their safe zone, where they felt like they were in charge. And so they were watching all this play out, and this herd of pigs goes into the waters that they just barely escaped with their lives from, is now filled with demonic presence in their understanding of it, and Jesus says, get back in the boat. They get back in the boat and start going to the side. I wonder what they were thinking. You know, the last time Jesus told us to get in the boat, this really, we went from almost losing our life to being, you know, charged that. He gets to the other side, and it says the crowds were still waiting for him. They were still there. Like, oh, he came back. Phew. Jesus, can we get some more teaching? Maybe throw us a little good Samaritan. You know, maybe a little bit of, like, the different seeds in the soil. Like, come, Jesus, we want, we want some more. But Jesus gets there, and he actually doesn't stay that long. He gets there with intention. He's going about his father's business. And it says he moves through the crowd because a man comes to him and says his daughter is sick and dying and asks Jesus to come. So Jesus moves through the crowd with his disciples and heads off on this journey to go help this little girl who's in desperate need. On the way, a woman comes up and grabs the hem of his robe. A woman who'd been sick for many, many years. She reaches out, grabs his robe, and is instantly healed. And again, just like with the demon-possessed man and with the storm, Jesus is very casual about it. He doesn't even do a big prayer. He just says, somebody touched me. I felt some healing power go out from me. He's just kind of like, eh, no biggie. I got so much authority over sickness, someone just needs to grab my robe and they get healed. And this woman afterwards, it says, she trembled with fear. She trembled with fear, but she saw this man with his great authority 
that even sickness obeyed him, just as much as the demons and just as much as the storm. They continue on, they finally get to this little girl who's passed away. She died before they got there. They get ready to go in, and uh, Jesus uh, says to them, don't be afraid, just have faith. That's in verse 36 of chapter 5. Don't be afraid, just have faith. This is what we're talking about here, right? Fear, faith, and mission. All these stories all link up along the same lines. And so he says to them, don't be afraid, just have faith. In fact, that's the exact same thing that he'd said to them when they were in the boat about a day earlier. Don't be afraid, just have faith. And then he goes, and with this same kind of tone of, my authority is so great, I don't even have to work that hard at it. He says, she's just asleep. It's a nap. I'm going to wake her up. And this little girl, he tells her to get up. And she's raised from the dead. And Jesus proves that not only does he have authority over the storm, over the demonic, over disease, but also over death itself. Disciples get to go on this journey with Jesus where he proves to them that their fears can be dispelled by his authority when they place their faith in him. And they get to go on this journey because they got in the boat. You know, the masses were on the shoreline. They were being fed, and it was good. But when he called, only a few got in the boat. And when they got in the boat, Jesus never was able to promise them, don't worry, it's going to be a smooth ride. It wasn't that at all. Much danger, difficulty, and things laid ahead of them. But what he did promise is that his authority was greater than any fear that they might have. His power was greater. And that they wouldn't be going alone. He didn't tell them to get into a boat. He said, ask them to get in the boat with him. He was already there. He was already going about his father's business. His presence and his power was with them, so they didn't need to be afraid. Matthew 28, uh, you can't do a missions conference without Matthew 28, or a missions Sunday, so I'm going to do Matthew 28, the Great Commission, and it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So here we have our commissioning into mission, to go and make disciples of all nations. But this commission is held with two promises, one in the beginning and one in the end. The first promise is that Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, all of it, 100%. The second promise is that he'll always be with us. So his power and presence is promised. I want you guys to turn to one of your neighbors. I want you to say to them, his power and presence are promised. Go do that. It's true. It's important to get these things out of our mouths sometimes. That thing that you just said is true. It's a reality. You've confessed it with your lips. And it is absolutely bedrock true. We can build our faith on that. His power and his presence are promised. That is what tears down fear. That is what helps us get into the boat. As scary as that may seem, to go out from our safe and comfortable places to go and do the things that Christ has called us to.
And now there was nothing wrong with being on the shoreline and listening to the teaching. That was good. They all enjoyed it, and he did it again. But there was a group that just stayed at the shoreline, being like, oh, he left. I hope he comes back. And then he does. And they're like, oh, good, he's back. Get a little more. Hope he comes back again. And then there was another group that got in the boat with him. And I'd like to parallel that, you know, in my own life. Even when I was preparing this sermon, I had a moment of kind of humor uh, between me and the Lord, where as I was prepping, you know, my house, that little house, where we are now, we still have a lot of snow where I am. So I was looking out of the window. It was all beautiful snow. I had my little wood stove, where wood heat, so I had a little wood stove, fire going. I was sitting in my chair. My kids weren't up yet, so it was quiet, which is like, you know, like, oh, good. <laughs> so it was quiet. The fire was going. The snow was falling. I had my cup of coffee, and I'm reading the book of Mark. And I was like, oh, Jesus, this is so good. I, and even as I'm reading it, though, I just felt that challenge. Well, bless you, son. But now the day is about to start. Are you ready to get in the boat? Are you ready to trust me? Are you ready to take what you've heard, what you've been blessed with, and go and give as freely as you've received? So that's the big difference between the crowd on the shore that just stayed versus the crowd that the few got in the boat is one was just waiting to keep receiving and the other group was ready to get in the boat and give even though they were afraid. And Jesus helped them with that fear. He kept saying every time they had a fear, Yes, you're afraid. The storm, and that's the thing about our fears when we go into missions, most of them are pretty scary. Like they're, they're legitimate in the sense that apart from God's grace, they're pretty terrifying. You know, a storm's a storm. A demon-possessed man's a demon-possessed man. Sickness kills. Death feels final. But time and time again, Jesus demonstrated his authority to his disciples, say, don't, these things will come but my power is greater and my power will always be present in your life. That is my promise to you. And so I just want to challenge you today and maybe the worship team, if you want to come, we'll kind of close here in a second. What's holding you back from the mission that God has called you to? It's okay. You can be honest about it. Take some time with the Lord. In a moment, we're going to play some music and just take some time what is it? What is your fear? Are you ready to believe the promise that his presence and power will sustain you through it? And maybe you're that person that I you know, mentioned earlier. I, I really believe that God is calling someone here to the nations, whether that be at your doorstep or far away. And you know, if that's you, I just challenge you to take that moment to pray. Say, Lord, I'm ready to get in the boat. I'm out of control. I don't know where you're going to take me. But I know you are in the boat, so it will be okay. What we're going to do now is we're going to sing. But afterwards, when there's a time of prayer ministry at the end, you know, when people can come up if they want, I just challenge you, if the Lord is telling you, get in the boat, and you need prayer for some of those fears, make sure you come up, and there'll be Mesh, and Chris, and the mission team, and myself will be up here. Take that time come up and just commit it to words. Say, yes, God has called me, but I'm holding back. It's hard. I'm scared. Pray for me. We'd love to do that. And we've all been there. I need those prayers every day. Uh, so don't be ashamed to come and just ask for that prayer and, and make that commitment to get in the boat with Jesus. Bless you, church. It's been an honor to be here with you. Let's...
You know, as uh, Brother Derek was sharing this morning, and he talked about this demon-possessed man coming down, and Jesus gives this man freedom. And after this man is healed, he wants to get in the boat with Jesus and do ministry with him and hang out with him. And Jesus says, no, 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 you need to stay here and be a witness to what I've done in your life. Go tell people. What I love about that picture is here's this man who was freed, and Jesus gave him the freedom and brought him healing. And he went to get in the boat with Jesus. And as Derek has challenged us this morning, are we willing to get in the boat with Jesus? Just to get into the boat. Like we don't know where he's gonna take us. We don't know where he's gonna lead us. But are we willing just to get into the boat and see what he does? And we've come this morning and maybe God has put something on your heart that you just need to get in the boat with Jesus and let him do the work as he leads and directs all of us. And it's a great challenge, isn't it? To remind us that we are all called to be witnesses. If you're a Christ follower, we're called to do that. So as Derek has challenged you as the Holy Spirit's moving in your life, if he's saying, get in the boat and let Jesus lead you, we encourage you to do so. I'm gonna call Brother Derek up here. Come on up, brother. Derek and his family have gotten into the boat and he's in the trenches of ministry. But here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. We're all in the trenches of ministry together and we're building the kingdom together. And these guys have made a commitment as a family to do some hard work. And it's encouraging, and I hope you're excited about that, but also challenged with some of the challenges he's seeing day to day. And as you've come this morning, and as you are inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, let that just be the hope in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, we're gonna pray for Derek and his family. So I'm gonna ask people, if you wanna come on up and pray, and lay hands over him, we're gonna do that right now. So folks coming up, if you wanna pray over him, staff, people on the missions team, whoever, wants to come up and pray for Derek, we're going to do that, and we're going to bless him in Jesus' name, because uh, he's doing a hard work, and it's encouraging to hear. I'm going to ask Wilf to lead us off, and then I'll wrap us up, and then we'll finish off the service. Father, we confess again that your authority and your presence has been promised, and we know that you are faithful. Father, thank you for the message that we have heard this morning. Thank you, Jesus for your promises. Father, I ask that you would help us all to be, to get in the boat with you. Father, uh, thank you for Derek. We just ask that your spirit would go ahead of him and that he would be given a special measure of your grace as he um, does your work in Perry Sound. Father, be with all of us. Help us to continue to get in the boat with you. Just ask that in your name. Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, Derek and his family, and I pray that you continue to bless and guide them. Thank you for the stories we've heard about people being free from addiction, and yet the challenges remain. And we ask Jesus that you would give Derek and his family a sense of your peace and your leading and strength, and that as they take ground back from the enemy in Jesus' name, that many people will be saved, and that Derek's bucket will be filled by the power of who you are. Those days he's feeling overwhelmed or tired or exhausted. And those times he's in the car for those hours on each day that you remind him, fill that vehicle with your presence and he'd lean into you. Thank you for his commitment. Thank you for his family. I pray you protect his marriage and his kids, that you would bless them and walk with them and they would just know the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to recognize that you can use us mightily in this world to make a difference for your kingdom. So thank you for the word this morning. Thank you for the worship and thank you that you're with us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna wrap this up and this is how we're gonna do it. Every week we offer prayer. And if you need to pray into what was spoken to you this morning, 
If you're going through something and you want prayer, there'll be people available, a prayer team that will pray with you. And as people come forward to be ministered to and you want to visit, that's awesome. But we encourage you to visit and hang out in the foyer, down the hallway, so we can create a place here of just a, a prayer atmosphere. So I'm going to pray one more time and then I'm going to dismiss you. Derek's hanging around for a little bit. If you have any questions, you want to high five him and give him a hug, whatever it is, uh, make him feel more welcomed as he's already been. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this Sunday. Thank you that you hear our prayers and you know exactly where each one of us is at. We commit this day to you and what's ahead of us and lead us on the path you have for us, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Have a great Sunday, Meadowbrook.